Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, good. Brilliant. Um, now, I know most of you might have encountered me <laughs> before. <laughs> because if you drive a car in this church, you will see this large black guy <laughs> with a shining head. If the sun is shining, you'll get the glare at the front or in the college car park. And if you don't park in the college car park, yes, you will encounter me. Uh, so just a, a little shameless plug there for those of you. But I uh, really want to thank you this morning for the opportunity to speak. Thanks, uh, John. I was going to say Billy, but John. Uh, there's a little joke there. Um, and um, just to say that we're continuing with our series, Encounter. Last week, Billy kicked off the series for us, speaking about two encounters that took place in the midst of a crowd. And he, he spoke about Jairus, the uh, Pharisee, the uh, leader in the synagogue, and he spoke about the woman with the discharge uh, of, of blood. And both were in a crowd. And I think the message from Billy was that we're never lost in a crowd, and that Jesus sees us and wants to encounter us even when we're in the midst of a crowd. And if you go back to those stories, you will find that Jesus did encounter both these people. But today we're going to look at another encounter. And this time it's between Jesus and two people walking along a road. Because most of our encounters occur as we journey through life between locations. Now these locations aren't necessarily geographical. Most of the locations occur basically along that journey, and they might be needs-based. So you might be right now in trauma looking to travel to deliverance. You might be in sickness looking to travel to health. You might be in poverty looking to travel to wealth. You might be in infertility looking to travel to pregnancy. You might be unmarried looking to be married. These are all journeys that we have to make as we go through life. But today's journey is one from ignorance to understanding. And that's what it is. And even as we know that it's the journey of two along the road, but it's about two people traveling between Jerusalem and a place called Emmaus. Now, Emmaus, basically, from Jerusalem, is a, a distance of about seven miles, 11 kilometers roughly. And at a normal clip, walking at a normal pace should take you about two hours, 20 minutes, is what experts reckon. Um, it's about 15,000 um, steps for those of you who are really into your, um, you know. And, um, but if you're walking at a relaxed pace, they reckon that, you know, it should take you a bit longer than that. But as we know, when we're walking, I don't know about you, if I'm walking, I'm talking with someone, I'm not in a hurry. Because if you're really into your topic, you're walking at a more relaxed pace. And at a more relaxed pace, I would argue that it would take that, that journey could take anything between three and a half hours to four hours because you will walk and stop and talk and get really heated and stop, you know. And so this journey, let's work it in our minds. It's a journey of about four hours, roughly about three to four hours. So really the question I've got to ask you today is what journey are you on today in your own lives? What journey are you on today? The German th uh, theologian um, Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer says there's meaning in every journey that is unknown to the traveler. There is meaning in every journey that is unknown to the traveler. So your journey may seem quite challenging today, but Christ wants to encounter you along the way. 
Our story is taken from the book of Luke. Sorry, it's from the gospel of Luke. And uh, chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. That's where the story starts. But there's a, a prologue to that. And the prologue is that this is happening on the third day, the day, third day of Christ's crucifixion. The day when Christ himself had predicted that he would be rising from, from the grave. And our story starts with two people. Now we know they're men, and as you go through the story, you will find out that they're men because they refer to and are women. So you start to suspect, okay, we know Cleopas, who's one of them, is a man. The other one who's not named has to be a man, inevitably. And as they're walking along this journey between Jerusalem and Emmaus, and Emmaus is a place, you know, it's different meanings in, in, in the Hebrew, it, the, the word used is hamat, and hamat means like a hot spring or wellspring. It's a place that the Romans created for relaxation and, and therapy. But in the Greek, it means a wellspring of salvation. That's what it's, the, the, the actual Greek meaning is. It's, you know, one of the different meanings is a wellspring of salvation. So even though they live there, you know, there's it's, it's a significance. And there's a reason why Luke tells us where they're going to. And so we don't want to lose, lose, lose sight of that. But as they're walking along, for them, a stranger joins them as they're walking along. Now, we know because Luke tells us that it's Jesus. But they don't know that it's Jesus. So it's just another person walking along, coming from Jerusalem or from some direction, you know, and heading in the same direction as them. And I don't know about you, but if you're walking along and people come up to you and say, can I join you? I think you want to sort of size them up first and think, is this someone I really want to, <laughs> to walk alongside me? Um, maybe culturally, back in the day, it was okay for strangers to walk along. I know, you know, in, in my parents' country where I come from, you know, it's not unusual when you're walking for people to come and join you and you get talking. Maybe in this country, people might start thinking, well, you know, hey. <laughs> So, um, but this stranger comes and joins them. And, you know, um, they couldn't recognize him. The Bible says, Luke says, that they, that they were prevented from seeing him. Now, you have to ask your question, this question, sorry. Why were they prevented from seeing him? In Jeremiah, Jeremiah tells the children of Israel in exile in Babylon, you know, when they're, they're busy crying out about their situation, he says, look, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. So there's a presumption that we should see him, we should find him, but there's a reason why I believe they didn't see him. And I suspect that this is because it's where their minds were at, at this point in time. And you'll see that as we go through the story. So how many times has Jesus come into our midst and we have not recognized him? How many times have we been going on our journeys between one situation and another and not recognize Jesus in our midst? Are we looking at, for him through the lens of our needs? Our personal needs? Are we looking for him through the lens of his promise? So Jesus asks, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. I mean, that says it all, you know? What are you talking about? What's, what's this discussion all about? And they stand still. In other words, this is not something that's going to take a, a short while. We're going to unload. We're going to offload and let you know what is burdening us. They were disappointed, obviously, with something. 
I suspect it was the disappointment with the outcome of the events that they were talking about because it, the, the, the outcome wasn't an outcome that they had expected. It hit them left field. It wasn't something they'd expected. So how many times have we been disappointed because God didn't show up in our situations the way we expected? You wanted someone to live, they died. You wanted someone to get well, they, they, it just took a longer time than you thought it would. You thought you would get that job, you didn't get it. You thought, you know, that person was the man or the woman that was going to marry you. They, they ended up not being the person. How many times have we been disappointed because he didn't show up in the way we expected or in the timing we expected? So Cleopas, who is the, the more vocal of the two, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And of course, at that time, the crucifixion was the biggest news in Judea, you know? So no stranger could have missed it. Now, don't forget that we're in a, a time where news travel a lot slower because it had to be carried by word of mouth. But today, I mean, look at in 2020, on the 20th of May, 25th of May, 2020, when George Floyd passed away in Minneapolis in, in the United States, in Minnesota, in, in the United States of America, the whole world heard all about George Floyd's death. We didn't know him personally, but we had a vicarious link to George Floyd simply because not just the fact of death, but the manner of death. That touched all of us. People die all the time, but it was just the manner of death in the hands of those who were meant to protect him. That resonated with us. Now, take your minds back now to Jesus' day and think about this news. This was the biggest news it was carried by word of mouth, you know, and on all the caravans traveling up and down, it was carried. So how can you not know what's going on? So they now talk to him. And of course, Jesus asked them a question. What things? What things? Now, this is God. This is Jesus Christ, risen Christ, God, asking what things. It's not like he didn't know what they were talking about. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows yesterday, today, tomorrow at the same time. He knows everything. So <laughs> he's asking them what things. He's not trying to find out what's going on. What he's doing is trying to get them to search their minds to reveal what's in their hearts. When he asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Anyhow, we move on. So they now talk about, oh, Jesus of Nazareth. You know, he, he was... You know, he was, he was, please note past tense, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and the people. And they go on and they, they took him and they crucified him and we'd hope, we'd hope that he was the one. But, you know, now who is going to, to redeem Israel? And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. But hang on, Jesus had prophesied about his death and resurrection. I think if you go to Luke 18, 31, 33, Christ had told his disciples, these things will happen. But guess what? The third day I'm going to arise. And they knew it. So they said, and it's the third day. So in other words, where is he? How foolish you are, Christ says. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now before Christ says this remark to them, and I don't think he said it in this sort of calm tone, I suspect that what happened was that as they were narrating what they had been told, you know, he was shaking his head. Because what they were narrating to him is the earlier part of Luke 24, where we see the women who went to the, the tomb, 
where Christ was buried. And they got there, they found the stone rolled away. We have Mary, Mary Magdalene, I think Joanna, and they got there and the stone had been rolled away. And they had an encounter with angels who said, why are you seeking the dead amongst, sorry, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? He is risen. The women now got that. They ran back to the disciples to go and tell them. The disciples ran to the tomb. They got there and guess what? The tomb was empty. There was nobody and the grave clothes were wrapped up. There was no Jesus and they came back. So that's how Cleopas and the other bloke found out. But, but they didn't believe. They said the women amazed us. Hang on. The women amazed you. Now you would think they would be excited. No, but they said the women amazed them. Why? It's like they were hallucinating. Are you, are you really serious? You saw angels. They said this. They said that. And bearing in mind all the things that Christ had done in his lifetime, you would think that they would have remembered. Yeah. And so Jesus confronts them. How foolish you are and how slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to die, have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and the prophets, in other words, the Pentateuch, which is the Torah, the first five books, which are believed to have been written by Moses. They begin from those first five books and they work their, he works his way through to explain to them all that the scriptures had taught about him. As they approach the village, Emmaus, where they were going, Christ carries on like he wants to carry on. And they say, oh, no, 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 you can't go. You can't go. You've got to come with us. You've got to come with us. It's getting too late. So Christ says, okay. It's an invitation. He comes into their house. And whilst they're at the table, he breaks bread. He gives thanks. And then he distributes the bread. And guess what? Their eyes open. Ah, it's Jesus. At the point of communion, they see Jesus. And he disappears. Why? Enough said, job done. Then they said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So what can we draw out of this encounter with Christ on the road to Emmaus. The first thing I drew up from this was, it's about our status. It's not about our needs, because Christ said it himself. I think in Matthew 6, 33, he said, seek you for what? First. And? Right, so you start from status, and then needs. You don't start from needs, and then status. What does C.S. Lewis say in, in his book, Mere Christianity? The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. It's about who you are in Christ. Because we can become so fixated on what we desire to receive from Christ that we don't see what he has already given us. And we have so many scriptures that, you know, um, illuminate this issue. John, in John's, go, uh, John, um, John's Gospel, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, he tells us that as many as received him, 
have the power to become children of God. We've got Romans 8, 16 that tells us that the Spirit within us confirms to, the Holy Spirit confirms to our Spirit within us that we are children of God. We've got 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, the new creation, all things are passed away. Behold, what? The new has come. We've got 2 Corinthians 5, um, 21. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness in, of God in Christ Jesus. So that's telling you all about who you are. And there's so many other scriptures that talk about who we are in Christ. The second thing I drew out from this was our perspectives are limited. It's Tony, Pastor Tony Evans, who is, um, I'm not sure if you know Priscilla Shara, who is um, very, you know, her father is, Priscilla, uh, is called Pastor Tony Evans. And he says, if all you see is what you see, you do not see all there is to see. There's more going on than what our five senses convey. convey. There's a big picture. (laughs) There is a greater purpose behind our challenges. More often than not, our challenges don't tell the full picture or the whole story. But they will always work together for good, for those who love God and who are called in accordance with his for into his purpose. Romans 8:28. What does Paul say? 2 Corinthians 4.17, he says, our light and momentary afflictions are working out a greater weight of glory into eternity. So there's something happening. Your challenges and your situations are temporary. What's the third thing I drew out from this? All scripture is about Christ. All scripture is what? About? All scripture is about Christ. It's important that you come to the Bible knowing that all scripture is about Christ. It's not just a history book or a book of events. They're carefully selected and chosen stories that God allowed to be put in that Bible so that we could understand the hope of our salvation. There's so many prophecies about Christ that were fulfilled. In fact, someone said that if you had to do a mathematical calculation of the probability of all those occurrences happening, all those prophecies happening. You're talking about kajillions. You will have to go beyond trillions. You have to go into kajillions to try and get an, an idea of how, how impossible it was that he was not the Christ. And these are mathematicians who work this out. So you've got Isaiah prophesying in 9, 1 to 6, the prophecy regarding the birth and the reign of the Prince of Peace. We've got Isaiah also telling us that a Messiah will be born in Bethlehem to a virgin and we will call him Emmanuel. We see also Isaiah talking about the prophecy of Christ's death in Isaiah 53 and how he was the ultimate offering for sin, that God's people could be redeemed. All scripture is about Christ. The prophets, everything there is a type and shadow. And I'm sure if you remember when Christ was preaching, he talked about as Jonah was in the belly of the whale, the Son of Man would be in the, in the earth for three days and three nights. So there's always a type and shadow. There's always, you know, an, some kind of allusion to, to what is going on in the Old Testament. So when you come to the Old Testament, come with a New Testament mindset. Don't start from the old, start with the new and go back. The fourth thing I drew out from this Encounters with Christ transform us. So it says, then their eyes were open and they asked each other, 
Were not our hearts burning within us while, we to- while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Something was going, when your heart's burning within you, something's going on there. Because the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 3, he says that if you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts as in the day of provocation. And I know that it, the Psalms, that is taken from the Psalms. And I know Pastor, Pastor John touched on that this morning when he was speaking. So a hard heart was, guess what? Softening. And something that was cold was melting. What does that talk about? When they encountered Jesus, they did not know he was the risen Christ. He was just another bloke walking along with them and they were talking. They didn't know he was the risen Christ. So in other words, if their hearts were stirred up within them by a stranger, how much more us today who carry the Holy Spirit? Your testimony should be able to stir someone's heart. As you're walking with people in their situations, your testimony should be able to stir someone's heart because they didn't know it was Christ. And what that tells us is that, you know, you don't have to be Jesus. You are carrying the same Holy Spirit. But guess what? Your testimony can cause someone else's cold heart to melt, can cause the hardness of heart to soften towards the gospel. And the fifth thing I drew out was that our fellowship reveals Christ. The writer of Hebrews says in 13, chapter 13, verse 2, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. You walk along, you see a, a person begging outside your local Sainsbury's or Morrison's, you... You know, you want to step over them. You see needs around and you, you don't know how God is showing up. Because we know, I think, is in, in Matthew 24, 25, where he talks about, you know, as much as you did it to the least of these ones, you've done it unto me. But what else does Christ tell us? He tells us in John, John's gospel, he says, look, you know, he sat at the door. He's knocking. If you invite him, he will come in. Do we invite him in? When we invite him in to dine with us, he always accepts. And when he comes in, he will fellowship with us. And what did he do? Effectively, what he did with them was a a reenactment of the Last Supper. And he said to them, do this in memory of me. So he did exactly what he'd done. And he was effectively telling them that when we, when we break bread, when we, when we fellowship together, as we do now coming into this house and sharing together, the word of God is our bread. That he would be in our midst. I don't know where we are today. What journey you're on. But I can assure you that he is with you in your journey today. He's not with you because you are so spiritual. You pray and you fast, you do all the wonderful things, you read scripture, and those things are right, please don't get me wrong. Please do all that stuff. But don't think he's with you because of that stuff. He is with you because he promised he would be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, when you go through the fire, I'll be with you. When you go through the water, I will be with you. The fire will not burn you and the water will not drown you. 
I want us today, I know it's a difficult season in our, in our nation. There's lots of uncertainty. We've come up from probably the most confusing period of our history in peace times. But just really asking us to tap into the truth. This is a journey from ignorance to enlightenment. And their hearts burned within them. At the beginning, they were downcast. At the end, full of joy. They made that transition from being miserable and downcast to being full of joy because now they had encountered Jesus. My prayer for all of us here is that as we go through our individual challenges, that as we encounter Jesus, I pray that our eyes will be open, that we don't have to discover him at the end, but we'll discover him whilst we're walking. And we can fellowship with him along the way. For my 25th birthday, my, my wife gave me, who, she was my, not my wife at the time, but she gave me a picture, I still have it. And it was footprints in the sand. You know? And, you know, um, at the time I wasn't really up there. But, you know, I thought, oh, this is a nice gift. And I put it to one side. But now I value it and I treasure it now more because it, it, it resonates with me. It tells me that, you know, those times where there's a single foot, foot, uh, set of footprints in the sand, it was him carrying me. How many times has he carried us? And we never knew. We thought it was our own strength. So I'll, I'll leave you there, but I'll just encourage us really all to tap into what this story is saying. Wherever you are and wherever you're going to, invite him along the way. God bless you.